Ron and Anian. When I'm sitting around in my old age, it'll be, well, I fixed cars, and it was interesting to say the least because of the things people say. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. You've just crossed over into... The Car Doctor. Doctor. I know logic doesn't seem to have its place in this society of ours, in that it, it, it seems to escape most of us, but let's just try. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie Annie and the Car Doctor here at the helm. Welcome aboard once again as we continue our quest to fix each and every broken car around the world. I used to say in America, but the power of the Internet and streaming and podcasting of this radio show now forces me to say around the world. The phone number here, 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show, sure, get out to cardoctorshow.com. Of course, we've got a website. Of course, it's a work in progress. We're so busy fixing cars, we don't have time to fix the website. You can also find links there to tune in iHeart and iTunes.com, all places you can go and take podcasts and subscribe to the device of your choice. You can also get it visa, uh, via Google Play and um, take the car doctor with you wherever you want to go. Got a great letter this week. I think we're going to start here. Um, I got a bunch of things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you a little bit about courage of conviction and, and diagnostic dilemmas and things like that, but I, th- I thought this was a great letter. Ron. I just found your show last week, and I absolutely love it. I don't currently have any car problems, but I wanted to tell you about my 1999 Volkswagen Passat. 1.8 turbo, front-wheel drive automatic, Tiptronic, with just under 174,000 miles. My friends think I'm crazy, but I want to hear what the car doctor has to say. I bought the car for my wife with about 161,000 miles for $1,500 in December of 2014. I love to maintain my vehicles properly and this one is no different now that you have a little background on me and my car i want to tell you about all the repairs and maintenance i've done prepare yourself for the longest run-on sentence ever i love this kind of an email i really do and you're not going to hear the answer you're expecting folks so get ready i've done the timing belt service including tensioner roller water pump thermostat coolant flush accessory dry belt valve cover cam chain tensioner seal gaskets cam chain tensioner all four brake calipers (gasps) three of the four brake lines at the calipers master cylinder transmission fluid Filter pan gasket, both transmission mounts, all three motor mounts, every control arm, including inner and outer tie rods, both CV axles, installed a boost gauge, made a leak tester, found and fixed the leak, and repaired a window regulator. I've done plenty of other things. I'm exhausted reading this. Oil and filter changes, air filter, cabin filter, window regulator. Oh, I've done spark plugs, pads, rotors resurfaced, PCV replacement, miscellaneous hoses, vacuum lines, clamps, bought tires. This weekend, I'm finally replacing every AC line due to stripped hoses, installing a compressor and condenser both of which are not currently present. I wonder if he got this from kids, Cars for Kids or something. Was this a scrap car? I heard you mention that car work can be like therapy, and I agree entirely. That's the line. That's the line that got me hooked. All right? I read three-quarters of the way through this. That's the line that I'm telling you right now. If, you know, people say to me, 
my kid, boy or girl, doesn't matter, has no direction in life. They, 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 they've got problems. They've got issues, alcoholism, drugs, whatever. Whatever's going on with that kid, young or old, they don't know what to do. You know what's wrong with this country? Not enough people are fixing cars. Listen to the rest of this. My car runs like a top, but it's roughly a $5,500 car at this point. I heard you say that a car is like a toaster, an appliance. I don't really care much about what it looks like as long as it's safe and reliable. Here's the line. I have learned a lot about this car and have gained a ton of confidence by doing all the work myself except the alignment following the suspension work I did. The interior isn't perfect, but there's hardly any rust on the body and minus a few scratches and a ding here and there. It's in pretty decent shape. You see, what I think we need as a society is a way to gain some confidence, is a way to instill a, a, a certain sense of responsibility. I remember Uncle Steve telling me when they were kids, there wasn't three bikes per kid or one bike per kid. There was one bike in the neighborhood. And when it broke, they all worked together to find parts and make it work. And sometimes they found the broken the, the, the parts to replace the broken pieces in the street. And one thing I can tell you about fixing cars is it gave me confidence. At a point in my life where I was at a low as a young kid when my dad passed, cars brought me back from the brink and they kept me safe. For all the bad things that I was exposed to and that I could have gone into, cars kept me safe. He continues, had I known the amount of money I was going to spend on this car up to this point, there's no way I would have bought it. That being said, I'm grateful for the experience. I want to know how many people go through therapy and are grateful for the experience. I mean, I guess you're grateful for the experience. I shouldn't pick on therapy like that and, and analysts, but here's something you can drive around and point to and kind of thump your chest and say, I did this. This is me. And for people that aren't car people and they just might be passing this on the dial going, this guy's nuts, you don't get it. It's just the way it is. And if you throw in the fact that, oh, about 40 years ago we had the muscle car revolution, it was hot rods and Mustangs and Chevelles and everything else under the sun, and the, the reason they're so popular today is because it was a great time period. Cars then, as now in a lot of cases, have the ability to make people feel good. And that's what makes them so unique. You know what's really sad as I drive around and, and you know travel back and forth to work and, and wherever I'm going in a car? Everything looks the same. They all look like construction worker hard hats with four wheels driving down the road. They're not even nice colors anymore. As a matter of fact, we're so programmed against colorful cars. Have you seen that new um, apple green Dodge Charger color? It really stands out. It's like glow-in-the-dark green. And then there's a couple of reds that Jeep is using. And you look at them, and they stand out like a sore thumb. The problem is we're so paranoid about having a car with loud colors because, oh, that's the car that's going to get the ticket speeding. You know what? The heck with it. Life's too short. Buy something with color in it. I have to say, he continues, that with the network of people online, whether on forums or Facebook, I'm not too worried about future problems. Swapping transmissions to manual, I guess he's putting a, a, a manual trans in this, or putting another motor in it doesn't really scare me. It'll be a great opportunity. Listen to the confidence in this guy to learn more and build even more confidence. I joke all the time, but I pretty much got a brand new car. I'm curious what you think, Ron. I don't think, and here's here's the other reason I had to put this on there, because I took the challenge that Michael gave me. 
I don't think this is necessarily a good story for your radio show, but you sound like you genuinely want to help others and have an interesting conversation. I realize neither of us has the time to be Internet pen pals, but I'm curious what you have to say. Maybe I'll get an email response. I don't think so, Michael. I think you just got a radio response. Carry on, brother. You know what? Doing this, and I would go one step further. You don't mention if you have kids. Get your kids involved in this. You want to keep a kid out of trouble? Take them to a car show. And and get them involved to the point that they see what cars are. Not just loud and noisy and colorful, and but the idea that this is manufactured and assembled and it takes a design team and engineers and it requires math to build a car and chemistry to build a car and fabrication and working with your hands to build a car. And that's when you'll have a nation that rises up, thumps their chest, and says, look how good we really are. We build cars. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. I just, you know, I, read the, I, I try to read each and every letter, folks. And something like this just makes me proud of what I am and proud that I've been able to influence someone to this particular point that they've created this situation for themselves. And I say job well done, a tip of the wrench to Michael Lair out in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, just a heck of a thing to do. You know, it's, it's always good to know that you're doing well or doing good in the universe. And this just tells me. That I am. 855-560-9900. The car doctor is going to pull over and take a pause. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. 855-560-9900. A couple of things. That phone number, 855-560-9900, is 24-7. We are live on the air Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But you can call the 855-560-9900 phone number and leave a message if we're not. And there's an answering service there, a messaging service. We'll pick up. You can leave a, an audio voice message, and Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and put you in the queue for the following week's show. But just to let you know that it is possible to talk to us on air if you're on an affiliate or if you're podcasting and we're not necessarily live in your time zone, that you can connect to us directly via that 855-560-9900 phone number. Number one. Number two, if you are sending in a website contact, and I commend all of you that did it this week, That the ones that I saw anyway, everybody's starting to realize it. You're including your phone number. Any correspondence we have, include your phone number. All right? Email just isn't enough today, as handy as email is. Sometimes we do have to reach out to you via the phone. Sometimes we want to put you on the show. You never know. I read Michael's letter, and I said, you know what? I'm using Michael's letter in the first hour open this week because I was kind of touched by it. And uh, I should point out that a lot of you thought I was probably going to pick on him because he bought a Volkswagen. You know what? That's what he likes working on. That's his car. God bless him. All right? And I love the part about how it helped him build confidence, and it's it's made him a better person for it, and uh, that gives him the ability to thump his chest. Everybody needs to thump their chest. It's important. Let's do a piece of diagnostic email, by the way, speaking of fixing cars. This comes to us from Stephen, 
who asks, we have a 2003 PT Cruiser with turbo. It has codes P0315, P0480, P0443. What order do you solve them, or does it matter? Thanks for your help. We really appreciate it. We're desperate. Stephen, uh, yeah, you know what? It does matter what order, but the question becomes, how did they occur? Did they all build up at once? And here's my argument for, and this is why I read this letter, because I thought it was a good take on why we don't like check engine lights to be left on. Was the check engine light on for any length of time? For everybody driving around with a check engine light on that says, oh, it's not important, it doesn't matter, I don't really care, here's why you don't. You've got three fault codes. Where do you start? How do you attack this animal? And how do you repair it? Number one, you've got to find out what the fault codes are. The P0315 is a problem in the crank position sensor learned value inside the PCM. It's as if the PCM needs to relearn crank position. The P0480 is a problem with cooling fan relays, and the P0443 is an issue with the evaporative emission solenoid, the purge solenoid, on the vehicle. Now, what I would do is write down the codes, gather as much information as I can. If there's any freeze frame data to be had, in other words, a video snapshot from the scan tool of what sort of conditions existed when the problem happened, I would print that out, and then I would clear codes. Does does any of the codes, do any of the codes return right away? And if so, which ones? If they all return, my gut from my seat here tells me to start thinking about a bad PCM. Maybe I've got a bad computer. I'm kind of curious why it stored a P0315 crank sensor learned value. Is it losing? Does it have a memory issue? A crank sensor learn value is hard written into the memory of a PCM, and it takes quite a bit for it to knock it out. When it starts, you know, <laughs> cars are like people. When they start to lose their memory, something's up, all right? And there's a problem, all right? It's funny I should say that. I know a few people who uh, need to have their crank sensor relearned. And it becomes a it becomes a case of be mindful that maybe all your problems are pointing towards one common thing. Uh, you know, it's like it's like the, the, the guy who thought he was dying because he kept touching himself, you know, on his elbow, his knee, and everywhere he touched himself on his body, he told the doctor, he says, I hurt. And the doctor said, yeah, your index finger's broken. So um, just just be mindful of that. But I would I would clear them. What comes back, diagnose accordingly. But don't rule out the possibility of a PCM, especially if there's no logic in terms of how and when these fault codes occur. The other thing you could do is once you clear the codes, if nothing comes back, disconnect something. Disconnect throttle position sensor. Does it stall? Does it immediately set a fault code? Or does the car keep running? Sometimes we have to actually disconnect something to see is the car computer capable and smart enough to recognize, oops, something's broken. And I've, I've fixed more than a few cars. <laughs> You'll disconnect it. The car doesn't miss a beat. It doesn't hiccup. It doesn't stammer. It just keeps running, and all of a sudden you realize the car is running in some sort of failure mode, and it's in backup, and that's why we're not worried about it in terms of it being a problem. So just something for your information. I want to talk a little bit about the Chevy Bolt. Bolt, B-O-L-T. The all-new 2017 Chevy Bolt, I'm reading out of the new AC Delco flyer. I'm going to pick on AC Delco a little bit later on this hour, Nick, so it's not that I'm totally in love with them. The all-new 2017 Chevy Bolt EV fulfills a promise the brand made to offer an affordable, long-range electric vehicle. 
And I think the thing I like about this is the fact that, you know what, in the face of criticism, GM just keeps plodding forward. One thing I will say about GM, they may get it wrong in the early years. Sooner or later, they get it right. I think their first electric car, the Volt, was, yeah, so-so, but the Bolt may be the next step. The Bolt EV's connectivity innovations provide smart, personalized solution for managing the driving experience. Look at the way we're talking about this, the driving experience. Bluetooth, for example, is designed for the Bolt to help minimize energy draw and seamlessly connects a smartphone to the car when the owner approaches it. Are we 10 years away? Are we five years away? Are we two years away from... I always think about that scene in that movie Time Cop. Remember when uh, uh, Claude Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme, gets in the car at the end and he says home and the car just automatically takes him home. There's no windows in it and it just automatically... I mean, we have self-driving cars on the horizon, but the car actually opens the door by itself. It does everything automatically. Are we that far away? When it comes to the driving experience and efficiency, the article continues, the Bolt EV's development team drew on the more than 1.3 billion miles of EV experience from the Chevy Volt. It helped create an all-new cell and battery pack to offer the estimated 200-plus miles of range. The system includes a 60-kilowatt lithium-ion battery pack with 288 lithium-ion cells. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I think this is a car worth looking at. I think as a small, you know, pregnant roller skate, which is what it is, in terms of a small four-door electric vehicle, I think it's something to look at. I will say this, all right? I'll comment on this electric vehicle by telling you this story. We had a 2010 hybrid Chevy Tahoe in the shop this week. 42-volt system, electric power steering, hybrid technology. A little strange to work on. You know, you're sitting there trying to run a steering angle sensor relearn The first thing it says is start vehicle. Well, you start the hybrid, and if you take longer than 10 seconds, it shuts off. So you have to step on the brake pedal to get it, or the gas pedal to get it to restart. And it really kind of affects your calibration process. You have to, like, real quick and go and get through it. So electric vehicles are a horse of another color and definitely going to be a little bit of a challenge for technicians going forward. Hey, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. The phones are lit up. We're going to get over to them, I promise, and open them up right after I return from this. Don't go away. Well, this car is automatic. It's systematic. It's hydromatic. Why it's greased lightning? Welcome back. We're on the Indian Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. You know, the other thing I want to just mention real quick is had a couple of people in the shop this week. A couple of people walked in, hey, I listen to you on WRCR here in New York, yada, yada, yada. And the conversation started about cars. Everybody that walked into the shop, and we, we for whatever reason, and I think this happens all the time, they always remember the, the, the year, make, and model of their first car. It's absolutely amazing. Nobody really remembers their second, their third, not as often, but everybody can remember their first car and, and driving experiences in their first car. And if it was, a, if it was dad's or mom's car, it's, it's always a, a different story than what the mom or dad knows. So that's, um, that's anyway, just, just an observation. Let's uh, kick the garage doors open. Let me go over here to my executive producer, Harry. 
Harry? Well, Ron, if I could hear uh, over the boys. Boys, boys, quiet. Yeah. Are they arguing? Now what are yeah, they, they're what, arguing again. Now what are they arguing about? Go do your jobs. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, yeah, well, and you see, I, I, have a, I do have to ask that question. Tom's in a car doctor T-shirt. Yeah. And Tony's in a car doctor T-shirt. Yeah. Where's yours, Harry? Harry, where's your car doctor T-shirt today? I'm sticking it to the man again. <laughs> <laughs> Always the rebel. Uh, <laughs> Always the rebel. We, we have another word, but we're on the air. Yeah, well, that's true, too. So, you know, listen, we want to go out to dinner afterwards. How can I take you guys out if you don't look appropriate? I look appropriate. I just don't look dressed in a car doctor T-shirt. Oh. He well. looks appropriate. He doesn't act appropriate. Well, that's beside the point. Get out to eBay and get yourself a car doctor T-shirt, would you? Who do you got for me on the phone? All right. Right now we have uh, Ken in Middletown, Connecticut. He's got a 2003 Impala V6, and it is bumping into low, which... Seems to be a problem with transmission operation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. By the way, go back to sleep. You look tired today. Yeah, what, I am tired. What, were you yeah. up all night? Uh, no, no, oh. no. Girlfriend came in this morning, so. Uh, that means you were up all night. Yeah. No, yeah. she got here this morning. Oh. So that that Bean couldn't head. that that couldn't that couldn't have been an airplane ride. All right. Can I go? Can I go fix some cars now? Is that all right with you yeah, guys? Go, ahead. go back yeah. to arguing. Um, Ken, Middletown, Connecticut. I'm sorry, Ken. I have to put. You see what I have to put up with just to fix cars. I know, the pressures we must work under. I tell you, it's just terrible. How can I help you today, sir? Well, one question, quick, and this isn't related to my question. Can I get this replayed on the computer? Oh, sure. Um, okay. You'll uh, you'll if you go to that's a that's a very valid question, and we've never we've never addressed that. But anything we say here on air is going to be available a multitude of places. Okay. Either either you can go to TuneIn and find it on an affiliate that carries it later. Or you can go to cardoctorshow.com, and you'll find the podcast of this show. Okay. And they're always listed as hour one and hour two, just because okay. just because we're a network product, and you're in hour one. So if you go to about middle of hour one, you'll hear us pick you up down around the bottom of the hour, as we say in radio. Cardoctorshow.com. Um, correct, sir. Spell out doctor, C-A-R-D-O-C-T-O-R, show.com. Okay. Yep. Sure. So, go ahead. What's your question? How can I help you? Well, the, you may want to know the model of the transmission. Okay. What is it, a 4T65E? That's correct. Okay. Auto OD, as you know. Right. Sure. Now, it's done this since it was new. When we bought the car new, my wife drove it. Now, I'm driving it. There's over 100,000 on it now. It bumps into low on takeoff. Well, not like a neutral start, but like if you're sitting at a stop sign, you know, after you leave the garage and you go up the road and you stop at a stop sign and you press gently on the gas, it'll it'll start to move underway. But it, I don't know if it's starting in second or not, but it's starting off. And then if you if you crowd it just a little bit, it'll bang into low. But it does get underway. It doesn't flare up and then drop into gear like a neutral stop. And it's 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 never turned on a check engine light. Never set nope, fault code. Okay. Have you, and, uh, tr- have you the, tried manually pulling it into low? Yes, if you do that, okay, it stays in low, and then you can manually shift it through the quadrant, you know, all the way down the road. Okay. But if you leave it in drive, it seems more predominant in overdrive. In, in drive, it might do it, but not quite as often. But uh, it also seems predominant during warm-up. Uh, I know that the transmission converter clutch doesn't come in until, you, you know, until it goes to closed loop. But I don't know how that would affect the low gear. It's, now, it, it shouldn't. I'm just mm-hmm. curious if it's done it since day one new. 
Yes. Why wasn't it repaired under warranty? Well, my wife never complained about it. She always wrote it on the highway, but now she's retired, so it wasn't wasn't really predominant. Right. She said they used to do it infrequently, but she used to jump on the highway and go to work and then come back home, so it was really not as noticeable. It's more right. so noticeable in town. Right. Now, I've changed the fluid twice in it, okay, and I checked the level carefully, and I added one can of conditioner on the first change, and there were no chips or anything in the pan. I did ask the local Chevy dealer about it, and they said something about a pressure control valve. Right, pressure control solenoid. Now, I also went through the trouble of even buying the factory manuals for this car when I bought it. Now, in order to change that pressure control valve, you have to pull off the pan that's on the side of the transaxle. Correct. And according to Chevrolet, the tech manual says you have to take the frame out to get at that. Oh, yeah, they didn't tell you that part. Now, what the heck kind of a moron designed this? Well, there you go. Now, we, now we're on the subject of engineers, so we're well, off the subject yeah, of the car. I, well, I can get into that in a moment yeah. if you want. But I did have a guy that worked for Chevrolet. He went on his own. He was one of their best technicians. He cleaned the mass airflow sensor, but it didn't have any effect. Right. Here's, here's what you have to think about, and obviously it's got to be diagnosed. There's a bunch of things that have to be looked at. Yeah, I agree this could be a pressure control solenoid issue. This could be... Uh, more than a few things. Yeah, but, well, it's but, all electronically done now. There's correct. no throttle pressure thing. Correct. And there yeah. is still, there should still be a partial throttle body in that that could be dirty and hung up, but you, you'd still have oh, to yeah, go well, through. Yeah, there's the rheostat on that, but it just feeds the resistance to the, to the powertrain control module, and that decides which solenoid to fire. And you could have anything from a, a an electrical ground or a driver issue in a PCM down to something mechanical in the trans, which is where you'd have to start doing some pressure readings off the trans mechanically and, and going through the process. Here's here's the concern or the question I've got. How many miles are on the car now? Just over 100,000. Okay. So what they're really telling you is to repair the pressure control solenoid, you have to either pull the subframe out or pull the trans out of the car. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I started reading the factory manual, and I said, this is crazy. If you pull, it, the, if you pull the trans out of the car, Ken? I imagine you could do it that way. Um, wouldn't you rebuild it at this point or at least go through it? It's 14 years old. Well, it's true, but it hasn't had a rough life either. Right. Well, no, but, you know, everything gets everything by time and mileage. You know, sooner or later, one cold winter morning, the trans is going to start to bleed hydraulically internally, and it's going to slip a little bit or it's not going to engage as good as it could, and it's going to be an issue. If you have to pull the trans out now to repair this, and yeah. and then there's no argument that says, I mean, obviously, after you go through some form of a diagnosis and you know that it's internally in the trans, it's not a driver, it's not a PCM issue, it's not an internal regulator issue in the PCM, something like that. Um, wouldn't it make sense to go through the trans mechanically just to make sure everything is is as it should be? I've got an issue that has been going on since new 14 years later and nothing's broken or it hasn't changed or gotten worse. That's what I'm most curious about. I find that really fascinating. Yeah, but, but it, it always it always did it, okay, and it, it still shifts great. I mean, there's right. not a problem with it. Right, you know, right. It's really no complaints about it other than that, that bump on takeoff. Right. I would I would say that a diagnosis has to be made. There's a bunch of areas to look at, but I would strongly consider the fact that if you do have to take the trans out of the vehicle, after mm. all this time, if this is a thirty thousand mile unit that was four years old, that's one thing. This is a this is a fourteen year old unit with a hundred thousand miles on. I don't care how easy a life it's had, and I'm well, not saying to overhaul is, it, but 
Had yeah. it done it when it, you know, it had him tear the thing out of there at 15,000 miles. I mean, I didn't want those guys getting near it. Right. Well, they're, well I'm sorry to say they're a bunch of ham-handed mechanics down there. Well, and I get you, done with it, be peeing all over the floor. Right. Well, and now you've got a, you know, now you've got a, you got to make the call. Now you've got to make that decision. And I understand your frustration. Uh, but just it doesn't matter to me how long it's been broke. It's still that it's broke. It's got to be diagnosed and then repaired. But always keep in mind system repair in terms of take X apart, Y's right next to it. Maybe now's a good time to do Y, and it just makes sense from a total cost, especially, especially if you're planning to keep the car. Enjoy the conversation, Ken. Have yourself a good rest of the weekend, 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Keep in mind, too, that if you're an email kind of person and uh, talking on radio isn't your bag, I get that. Um, if you don't want to call 855-560-9900, email me, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I will do my best to either answer it or pass it along to Fast Harry, who then will reach out to you, as long as you put your phone number in there, and we'll get you up here on air and talk to you that way, and we'll twist your arm in that way and drag you up here on radio. Um, it's it's amazing. It's just funny to me how many people are just more into, they want emails, and getting to talk on radio, they're nervous. Listen, I do it every week. It's not a big deal. If I can do it, you can do it. Let's get over and see if... Walter can do it from Hillsborough, New Hampshire, 2013 Ultima, and uh, questions and comments about his transmission. Walter, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Yeah, I heard you talk about that CV transmission. Right. Now, I don't know if that's under warranty or recall or anything, but I wanted this, this valve. Can it be replaced by... With transmission in place? No, well, I guess it could, Walter. Nobody's doing it because Nissan hasn't released it as a singular part. Right now, Nissan's position is they're they're extending the warranty, I believe, an additional five years up to 60,000 miles. Or it's if it fails within five years or 60,000 miles, they're doing that transmission replacement. That CVT in those Nissans has quite the problems. There's actually another campaign out there, and there's more than one. But there is a campaign out there also to reprogram the trans control module first to see if that helps and also to help extend the life of the transmission. It alters the software on the vehicle and the trans control module to help shifting qualities and help improve performance that way. So Nissan definitely has their issues with the CVT, and the 2013 Ultima is probably the worst year or the highest year of failure rate that they've got going on right now. Does yours do it? Uh, review the symptoms again. Well, what it's going to do, it's going to—it's not going to shift correctly. It's going to shudder. It's going to apply the torque converter at the wrong time. It'll go into lockup at the incorrect moment. Does the transmission feel like it's operating properly, or do you get hesitation, bog, shudder, vibration, etc.? Well, I'd say occasionally a shudder. It's—I uh, uh, wouldn't buy this transmission if, uh, say, an old GM four-speed was available. Right. Well, which, my age, I don't want to shift, and uh, 
Uh, I was just used to it. I'm getting it into highest gear. Yeah, Wait. well, you know, the the CVT experience, as I, as I put it, is, is totally different, and that's the biggest part of the issue. I tell everybody that ever considers a CVT transmission, the Nissans, uh, I believe Ford has a CVT now, or they've had a, uh, a Subaru has a CVT. Go drive it first. See if you can get used to that, and see if you can relate to that, because it's a very strange, not that it's bad, it's just different. And a lot of people can't get used to a CVT transmission in the way that it operates. But what I would tell you to do, Walter, is get it over to your local Nissan dealer, get it on file that at times, if they can't replicate it while it's there, at times the transmission doesn't shift properly, it feels like it's in the wrong gear, and the car vibrates on acceleration, at least you know, if there's a failure, you've got a case to say, hey, I, I went in, and if it's out of warranty, I went in, I had the problem, what are you going to do for me? Or maybe they'll just change the transmission. Some of the dealers, from what I've seen and read, are taking a very, hey, if their customer's complaining about it, let's put a trans in the car. Others are waiting until they have the actual failure. It doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. Yeah. Uh, what I do around town is mostly level, but I did notice uh, uh, I went to Western New York last year, and the hill, hills, uh, it seemed, I seemed more of a notice there. Right. Like the engine wanted to race. Right, and that's, that's typical of what you're going to get. It's also going to strain and not feel proper as it's pulling up the hill. So, like I said, get it into the dealer, let them look at it, and chances are you'll be under warranty and get the car fixed for free. Why not? 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie in the car, doctor. I'll be back right after this. Car Doctor winding things down this hour. There's another hour of Car Doctor and yet to come if you're an affiliate that takes both. So you may want to stick around for that. And if you're looking for both and you didn't happen to get all of this first hour, you can get out the CarDoctorShow.com. There's podcasts there. Also links there for TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, and Google Play uh, also carries the show now. So we podcast it a bunch of different ways and you can take the show and do with it as you please. Listen when you want, when it's convenient. Quick piece of email from James Ron. I've got a 94 Buick Century with a 3100. It has no power and has now burnt up the EGR Valley. I, I'm thinking I've got a plugged cat. Am I right, James? James, it sounds like you've got restricted exhaust. I'll go as far as that. All right, probably a plugged cat, but more than likely restricted exhaust somehow. And what I want you to do is how would you diagnose it instead of just I think, all right? Anytime on a car when you're going, I think, and that's what you react to. So I think I've got a plugged cat, and you put a cat on it. If it's not that, you got to look to the next step. What would you do after that if that didn't fix the car? So perhaps an exhaust back pressure test, perhaps just l dropping the exhaust, disconnect it at the front pipe where it goes to the manifold, which you'd have to do if you're doing the cat anyway, and you can drive the car and see if that makes a difference. Or last but not least, maybe you can take out one of the oxygen sensors or if depending on how many there are upstream or the upstream O2 sensor, and get that out and relieve it that way as far as exhaust back pressure and see if that makes a difference. Uh, keep in mind, 
common for those to have issues with EGR ports uh, getting burned up and melting and plastic intakes and all sorts of issues. Make sure you use a good quality piece to replace it. If you want to see pictures of what that intake looks like disassembled, go out to the O'Reilly Auto Parts website. Go out to O'ReillyAuto.com. You'll be able to look up a replacement part there and purchase it if you want, but also see the pictures of what it looks like so you know exactly what you're looking for. Hey, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.